What's up, everybody? This is Jordan Rossler and Derek Ambrosen from the Dynasty Builders Podcast, part of the DLF family of podcasts. Each week, we use film analysis, rookie breakdowns, ADP, analytic tools, and a dose of humor to ensure that you get actionable and practical advice from each and every episode to help you build a dynasty. Welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at Pierre Howardy on Twitter. I write for DLF, DynastyLeagueFootball.com. I do projections for PlayerProfiler.com weekly and seasonal. Don't don't know why I threw that in in this week. Um, welcome back. Uh, Dynasty Crossroads in season. I decided to switch it up and create a little bit of a format, something of a format for myself in season as opposed to off season, where we explore myths and trends and things we should know. Um, about dynasty moves, when players produce, stuff like that, how vacated targets don't matter. Um, in season, I'm looking, uh, I'm, ju- I'm just noting observations I make on a week-to-week basis that might have dynasty implications, or at least uh, looking at what happens week-to-week from a dynasty perspective. Too often we look at them from a week-to-week perspective because we're trying to win, because we should always be trying to win. But I think there's often a longer-term view on most things. So yeah, that's what we're doing. Um, this week, real quick, uh, one take kind of recording because I stayed up way, way way too late trying to get Tampa Bay right with Antonio Brown coming back and also, you know, San Francisco just having entirely new players they pulled off the street. So uh, here we go. Uh, I'll, I'm, I'm basing this largely off um, the notes I made in my Target Share article that I write for DLF every week. By the way, if you want to check it out, if you're interested in, you know, kicking my ass in a weekly game, I'm hosting, uh, I keep forgetting to mention, I'm, I'm creating uh, uh, DraftKings head-to-heads every week. It's not, a, it's not a sponsored thing, that's just where I play a very small amount of money to have some fun um, with DFS every week. And they're just $1 head-to-heads, but if you like to come clap me in a cash gain and take my dollar, uh, yeah, I, I post them on Patreon. Anyway, wait, wait, wait. Um, so, Target Share. Now, it's a Target Share article, but I kind of wish it wasn't a Target Share article. It's not It's not the stat I'd go through first, but volume is important, and Target Share is the key well-known volume stat, so that's where we begin. So, just to start off, looking at the top 12 receivers in Target Share so far this season, several players are sticking out to me consistently. Robbie Anderson and Terry McClellan have been in the top 12 um, season long for the last two weeks. They finally climbed in there now. Terry McLaughlin's um, top 12 target share. What's he at right now? It's uh, it's around 30% overall. We actually have five players in the top 12 with 30% or over. And that I, I would be surprised if that sustains over the course of the season. That doesn't have a very large week-to-week or dynasty uh implication it's just we rarely see that many players stick at 30 percent or more in fact normally it's just Andre hopkins and he's one of the five right now and um, Devonte adams can do it keenan allen can do it and they're both at, at their level as well but still we should expect some of these to climb down with lower games and lower target games throughout the season and um, but either way uh target 
Terry McLaurin's volume is held up right now because he had buy last week and the week before he had a 52% target share. And I said in the article, not even in Washington is that level of target share sustainable. So yeah, he's probably one of the ones that's going to drop out of the 30%. Um, but I, I was simply noting, I talked about him a lot last week on the podcast and in my weekly article for Dynasty League Football. And what he's doing isn't just impressive. It's impressive enough to turn a hater into someone who is impressed. And I am steadfast in my hated hated hatred hatreds i guess um but no he, he of the five wide receivers i was lower than consensus and i, I did at the start of the season uh he's the only one who's severely proved me wrong and to do it in washington it's incredibly impressive i suggest you listen to last week's episode or read last week's article for all the stats i rolled out about how he's competing with the best this year in terms of efficiency and in terms of volume and that's that's really tough to do in Washington. Doesn't necessarily increase the ceiling, um, over players like AJ Brown, but it is notable, um, to me, especially on a dynasty perspective, where I think his value might be soft. By which I mean you might be able to buy him for his value. For example, like if you go to a trade calculator at Dynasty League Football, we have one. Everyone has one, I think. Um, and look up their value very rarely or if they're really top five top 12 top 20 dynasty assets you're very rarely going to send that trade and get it accepted but by soft i mean people are more willing to trade at that value so if terry mcclawn's value right now is two firsts you might be had to get him for that value whereas if aj brown's value is two firsts as a top 12 wide receiver or a top five dynasty asset whatever he is right now if you sent that offer three firsts whatever it is um, I don't think it would get immediately accepted. I think he might. Obviously, he can still trade for almost every player at the right price, uh, except some owners, I guess, are always going to hold on or make mistakes that way. But still, um, anyway, that's just what I mean by soft value, just a quick understanding what I mean by it. Um, outside of those two players, oh, sorry, Robbie Anderson is the other one who I also noted last week. Like, could that man catch a touchdown? He hasn't caught a touchdown since week one. He's currently got 689 receiving yards per touchdown. That's all his receiving yards per his one touchdown. Unsustainable doesn't doesn't do it. One more week and I'm going to start saying Robbie Anderson is going to start losing opportunity because he's not scoring touchdowns. And I think Curtis Samuel, who showed up a little bit last week, um, and DJ Moore can so he is a starts catching touchdowns or is going to go away. That's my feeling on it. Um, Dynasty-wise, though, I, I, I'm i not buying... I'm still not buying Robbie Anderson. I'm sorry, I'm not. Um, I, I mean, I didn't see this coming. I don't think many people saw it coming. Most people saw Samuel and DJ Moore being the top two in that offense and Robbie Anderson as a having a far higher a dot and far lower target share but you know he's proven us wrong but um based on his i don't know this sounds weird but his draft capital his situation the team investment and everything else as much as i'd like to be really excited about robbie anderson and dynasty and i'll i would acquire robbie anderson for this season and I wouldn't feel bad about having him on a roster for next season either because he's been very impressive this year. And he was impressive on the Jets. Not as impressive as Terry McCollum, but being impressive in a bad situation is, well, impressive. But um, I don't think we're going to see the ceiling long term and we're certainly never going to recoup that value. 
um, if we buy him. But he's definitely a, more of a 2020 move for me. Outside of that, you it's really Team Old Guy. I'm sorry, Team Old Guy is showing up right now. You've got Keenan Allen, Adam Thielen, even Travis Fulgram is 25, I think, um, which is pretty old for a guy who just showed up for the first time being a significant producer in the NFL. My notes on Terrace Fulgram just literally say, I told you, I told you, because I, I, I wrote a lot about him last week. And even with Jalen Rago's return and doing excellent on the two targets and two receptions he got, and I do expect him to be the high dynasty, high producing off player in this offense, Travis Fulgham is good. I mean, sorry, he's good. Uh, sorry I never knew about him before. I, like, it sticks in my craw, a low-drafted player from, a, from an out-and-out conference. Wasn't on my radar, but he wasn't. But now he is. Unfortunately... A lot of data, we end up saying, you know, we have to see the trend before we believe it, which means it puts you behind. But Travis Fulgram and Adam Thielen, actually, like, he did this as well. The trend developed, and people wouldn't go in on it because it's Adam Thielen, because it's Travis Fulgram. Just go in on it. I'm not saying go crazy. I think his value right now is probably an early, mid-second, if I were to guess about trade calculator values. Um, I... I Therefore, I will go up to a late first because I, I want to add him. It's hard to find good producers and good producers that show the trend and show the ability that people are still like, really, though? Yes, really. Travis Fulcom's good. I, 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 don't, I don't know what to tell you. He's good. He's got an ADP in October. I'm waiting for the new ADP to come along still. Um, it hasn't shown up in the table, at least. Um uh, wide receiver 111, which is a drastic increase to where he was before the season, obviously. But yeah, that's 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 probably not going to go up too much. People don't want Travis Fulgram, apart from the people rostering him right now, because that's fun. And uh, I would advise getting in on that fun long term, even if I'm out, try and add him on a bigger trade um, for more liquid capital uh, like picks. All right, um, so Ryan Keeley posted an interesting thread on Twitter the other day and decided to steal the idea and incorporate it and turn it into a dynasty thing. He was ranking underperformances based on fantasy points over or under expected. He was using a different model than mine. I'm using Rotoviz's model, but it was interesting to me. He was ranking them in terms of worst performances this season that happened last week. I thought that's an interesting way of looking at it. So I looked at it for, through Rotoviz's model on the top... How many did he get? The top eight worst weeks from last week that rank in the top 10 of bad weeks for this season. So significantly bad. So bad, it's almost impressive. And by bad, I'm meaning you're getting given an expected value um, from your team just from the volume you're getting. And you are underproducing it so far that you rank in the top 10 for that stat this season. That's an impressive amount of bad luck or inefficiency shall we call it uh, from last week so Jarvis Landry Jimmy Graham David Montgomery Greg Olson Josh Jacobs Jonathan Taylor I think you all could have guessed that one um, and Jared Goff were all on that list um, so I made some notes on them and went into them a little bit now there are some players on this list that actually have made a habit of doing this this season David Montgomery and Josh Jacobs both average fantasy points over expected below minus two 
that's pretty bad to average that. They're underperforming their volume. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean Josh Jacobs is now David Montgomery. This isn't comparing the two players or where they get their volume. For example, Josh Jacobs is getting 18 expected points per game. That's a high volume mark for a running back. That's actually just under what Jared Goff's expected points per game is. And as you can imagine, quarterbacks get a lot more steadily flaws in expected points. So that's a good flaw for a running back. Josh Jacobs is doing pretty well. Hasn't stayed consistent in the target share that we saw week one. But I mean, he's fine. Um, I think still think he has a top 12 season dynasty-wise. Um, ceiling, sorry. But... Um, yeah, he's going to need more targets to do that any any week. Um, uh, now, something he has up on Karrion Johnson, who I once said the exact same thing about, uh, is that he has a draft capital to maintain the role. He's likely not going to be Wally Pipped, and we know he's good in the receiving game, whereas Karrion Johnson, we've really never seen a great deal of it in college. So I'm not panicking on Josh Jacobs. David Montgomery, this is just... This is just a career average at this point. This is what David Montgomery is. He's a top 24 running back, which is great, but I don't typically target top 24 running backs, especially if I'm playing for next year at this point, or even really this year, because top 24 running backs are the easiest way to just bleed your value away for borderline startable points that make your scoring look better, but can't they don't win you much because top 24 running back prediction is kind of replaceable. I know I've seen a variety of takes, which is like, ah, David Montgomery's proven people wrong. He's 14th overall in PPR points, for example. Yeah, this is why you don't want top 24 running backs. I mean, he hasn't won you shit. Sorry, he hasn't. That's why you shouldn't target them. So, yes, he's proving us wrong by proving us, uh, you know, incredibly correct. There you go. Um, that's that's my David Montgomery take. Uh, Jarvis Landry, I would expect that, however, to bounce back up. He had minus 10 fantasy points over expected last week, which meant he got, like, what was it, 0.4 fantasy points last week, and he was given 10.63 expected points per game, expected points uh, last game. Like, that's that's fairly drastic. He had a, He had a bad game. Okay, it's that simple. Um, I would expect him to bounce back because his volume and his efficiency on that volume is, as it typically is for Jarvis Landry, very good, very decent. It's kind of why top 24 wide receivers matter. Top 24 running backs kind of can't own. Um, anyway, Jimmy Graham, I mean, he's a tight end. Uh, woe is me. There's a tight end that's touchdown dependent. If he doesn't catch a touchdown, he's going to get incredibly bad negative fantasy points over expected. Like Jonas Smith, who people have seen people have faded on recently, like I expect it to come back. These guys are in their offense, they have the role. Jimmy Graham's actually got a 60% target share right now. He's back. I'm sorry, the good tight ends really never die. They just stop playing eventually. And so if they're playing, they can do this. Um, now we're talking about a certain level of good here, not the Jason Witten level of good. We're talking about Gronk and Graham, who literally compromise about 60% of the entire list of that level of quarterback in history. So, um, yeah, keep that in mind. But, yeah, I, I do think Graham's going to come back. Interesting enough, Jordan Reed's back in the NFL, and I know he didn't do anything, but he's someone who always showed that ceiling, and then injuries, he never really got there. So he's not on the list. He's not on the list, frankly. I wasn't high on him. I didn't have him too high in projections either. I, I, was, always dis I was always really gutted about Not disappointed with Jordan Reed, Disappointed for him, maybe. I mean, he definitely had the talent. It's an if-healthy thing. There are very few players I, I, I 
you know, straight faced or say if healthy for. But yeah, Jordan Reed unfortunately is one of them. Greg Olson's the other one. Kinda not on that list, but he's he's borderline on that list. And he's got an eleven percent target share this year. Uh he had six points, I think, thrown to him and expected points per game. And uh, oh, No, that's just his outright expected points per game. He underperformed his volume last week to the tune of minus nine points. Um, I'm guessing he missed a few things um, in that game that I actually didn't get to see that one, which I'm told is a shame. But, um, yeah, I just don't think he has a huge role in this offense. I would expect that to continue, too. He's one of the few people on this list that average fantasy points per game below average just not quite as badly as David Montgomery and Josh Jacobs um but again I think that's partly well David Montgomery have been through Josh Jacobs it's it's a receiving game man it's just hard to sustain rushing production that way um who else stood out to me on this one uh Jared Goff interesting enough I I had to do a bit of a deep dive because I didn't really know how to compare quarterback efficiency and fantasy points ever expected to anyone else so this year for example quarterbacks are averaging 5.6 fantasy points over expected so the top 12 quarterbacks average so a pretty decent look at what we should expect from a good startable quarterback around five fantasy points over expected and so when you're underperforming that volume it's actually fairly significant jerry goff um had they had a terrible game the whole team last last uh get last game last season last week i don't know i'm lost at this point all of them probably and um, he's averaging something like 4.3 4.4 fantasy points over expected he's having a pretty decent season to be honest and um, in the way quarterbacks do because we should care less about quarterbacks but yeah he's fine he's been fine overall as a start as quarterback 13 on the season i think he is uh playing all eight games which is better than some right um, but he was a little inefficient last week. I think this is in some way, although me and Josh, uh, me and um, Josh Jacobs, no, um, me and Jacob Rickrow still disagree disagree on the mechanical mystery that is the connection between quarterback and wide receiver. However, whatever that calculation is, Cooper Cup had like the eleventh worst wide receiver performance for the season according to fantasy points over expected last week so whatever mystery mystical connection quarterbacks and wide receivers have in terms of who controls whose efficiency that's partly why Jared Goff was underperforming and again he's he's someone on the list I expect to bounce back up and he's a decent dynasty buy because we should compare less about quarterbacks and now quarterbacks like I said and especially in the top two of do largely depend on being over efficient they're meant to outproduce their expected points their total volume in the offense and where they get it on the field according to Rotovis's model and um, it's worth keeping in mind that Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson's ADP may be dropping right now and I said this in my article um but they're definitely good we can even me quarterback stay aware of evaluation I, I'm pr- I'm very convinced both of them are very very good now Lamar Jackson's ADP is falling because it was jacked up from a, one of the most phenomenal rookie seasons we've ever seen from a quarterback or just outright seasons and um, but the thing we have to remember is that quarterbacks do depend on over efficiency the ones that do that multiple times to end in the top five or have a fantasy significant season in single quarterback leagues I mean there aren't that many um, and Matt Ryan and Cam Newton are on the list, not probably the two names that you were thinking of, like 
it's not Aaron Rodgers that comes to mind when I think about multiple repeats in the top five. It's Matt Ryan and Cam Noon. Now, the one guy, okay, this I guess if, I'd say there's two. Okay, so Patrick Mahomes and Peyton Manning definitely justify jacking up their ADPs, even in single quarterback leagues, and going all in on these historic players. And that's it. Even Aaron Rodgers, who's having a resurgence, because for some reason everyone thought they could suddenly predict when players were going downhill, which we can't, even in an under-efficient season at an older age, doesn't mean they come back and are even worse. That, that doesn't happen. That's not a thing. The data people, my, my nerd bros, push every year about someone, and it's not true. You may as well just be flipping a coin. So stop it. Um, and also stop jacking up the price of good wide receivers performing well in an early season. Now, that may sound, and I put a caution note in here, like an anti-Kyler Murray tweet who's having a fantastic year, which I think is somewhat missed right now because of the love for uh, uh, Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. But Kyler Murray is better than both of them, and he's producing better than both of them right now and we had him ranked there before the season and we have him ranked there during the season and like I'm starting Patrick Mahomes and Kyler Murray and Scott Fishbowl and it's really a coin flip which one scores me more points in that QB heavy scoring format he's having a balls to the walls amazing quarterback season and I don't hear anyone really mention it like, no one, because we're too obsessed with how great Justin Herbert is. Which is true. Justin Herbert's killing it. Joe Burrow's being an incredibly good rookie quarterback. I'm excited about both. But because they're rookies, it seems to have quite... I don't know. Maybe that's just my small bubble. Um, so I think his value might be soft. That's that's what I'm coming out on. Now, again, I don't buy quarterbacks because... You should care less about quarterbacks in all formats. You just should. That's that's my process anyway. Um, I'm happy to buy the Matt Ryans, Cam Newtons, and the guys who randomly, almost, um, always produce and are very good and have produced multiple top five seasons. And I get them for a lot less, and I'm fine. I do well. I win leagues. You don't have to have Patrick Mahomes, weirdly. I know. There's only been two, and people have won plenty of leagues without of them. Anyway, I'm, I'm getting stuck on my point here. Um, this is not an anti-Kyler Murray thing. I'm a huge fan of Kyler Murray. I think what he's doing this season is incredibly impressive. Again, I think it should be what we're talking about at quarterback, not if Joe Burrow can do what he's doing now next year, maybe, without the running. We're weird sometimes. We're just too focused on the new shiny thing that we forget this slightly less new shiny thing is killing it. But again, maybe that's just my small bubble. But again, Kyler Murray's ADP shot up way too high this offseason. The only reason I have him in the Scott Fishbowl is because quarterback scoring is so important because it's jacked up beyond any league you've ever been in before, if unless you're in the Scott Fishbowl this year, um, that it made it different. That's the only instance where it happens. Like, they're scoring me 30, 40, and 50 points every week. If quarterbacks do that in your league, yes, it might be worth jacking up their jacking up their ADP into top five round territory in single quarterback leagues. Outside of that, you're nuts, you're insane, stop it. So having said that, I do think Colin Murray's value might be soft because there's a lot less hype around it, even though there should probably be more hype around it. Um, but... This offseason, his ADP is definitely going to rise. And if you're looking towards next season already, he, he's someone to consider. 
obviously, especially more in super flex, but even in single QB leagues, I mean, he's a good young quarterback. If you can get him at a, not discount, but get him for a decent value, selling off assets that you're mostly that are mostly useful this year, and again, a diminishing value in the future, that's a solid value move. That's a solid dynasty move, I think. Um, especially if you're fully in, uh, we're on to the next season. Um, okay, so Jonathan Taylor, I'll kinda, well, I've been talking for an hour, shit. Uh, pardon me, and swearing, uh, just noticed. Uh, I'm going to leave you with my Jonathan Taylor analysis. I did, I do remember saying there was a little Trent Richardson-ness to his profile, and now seems like a perfect opportunity to do a ah, ah, but I had him ranked two overall and also at the running back position as a rookie and I was incredibly hopeful for him I flipped him back and forward between Clyde Edwards Lair to the point that I just said they're both 1A 1B in terms of my ranks so that Trent Richardson the nurse which is kind of there um it was just an offhand comment so leaning into it would be a lie and also I think now's the time to back out of it now having said that I just saw Jake Anderson who used to co-host some show somewhere traded Miles Sanders for um, Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, I'd do that a million times out of ten because Miles Sanders is currently doing what we hope Jonathan Taylor may do someday. People are weird about expectations, but um, Miles Sanders is too small. (laughs) Yeah, but he's who you want, and that's who we hope Jonathan Taylor can be, but a bigger version, I guess. Anyway, moving on. Um... If you're not looking at that kind of crazy valuation in your league, I'm kind of interested in him, especially if I'm pushing for 2020. Because when I looked at his stats more closely, I've been under the impression that he was getting the opportunity and not doing so much with it. But especially when you look at fantasy points over expected, I mean, he's only had a 50% uh, rushing uh, attempt for the Colts twice this season. He's only had like over 13 carries a couple times. He's actually stuck in more of a problem like Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, and DeAndre Swift, who we recently saw a few of them start to break out of that because we do expect these guys, if they're good, to do that eventually with the draft capital they have. Now, is it a little more concerning that Jonathan Taylor lost one of the guys that we thought was going to be part of the committee? Not to me because I didn't buy that excuse anyway. He's got to push whoever's out the way. I am a little more concerned that he can't push Mr. Wilkins and out the way. But this last week was the first week he actually had an inefficient game. Before then, he was kind of right on the average, which isn't where you want to be. You want to be over-efficient to prove you're good. But he has had over-efficient games, at least one significantly over-efficient. I think it was week three, that one game where we thought he was finally broken out. So what I'm saying is... The feeling on Jonathan Taylor is more negative for good reason, but it's good reason based on a very small recency-biased sample size. His college profile is still great. Scrub out the Trent Richardson comment because it was offhand and really just a dig at Russia more than a receiver, kind of a running back. And... um yeah, he's kind of struggling the same way Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, and DeAndre Swift, who are a lot more excited about right now, I think, than Jonathan Taylor, because he had one bad week. I don't think that's the way to judge him. Having said that, I think, I believe right now, he is what we thought he was, not what we now think he is, if that makes sense. So, for 2020, because running backs are always kind of more this year move, even young ones... 
what Addison Hayes said about buying Zeke Elliott on Twitter in Dynasty the other day because apparently he thinks he can move him for like Naheem Hines. I, I don't think he can get that done, but still. Um, yeah, what the hell? Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift. Jonathan Taylor's in that category still. Maybe not at the head of it. He's just one in the middle. But he's the one who would be easier to trade for. I probably still want Cam Akers. But just saying, it might be worth testing the waters. Um, and that's my dynasty move, uh, my dynasty sense on um, Jonathan Taylor right now. I also have a big section in this article, and i got to get out of here. I've been on here an hour. Um, it's Corey Davis season. I thought everyone who you know knew me knew this, but apparently a few people still don't. Someone was miraculously revealing that he's wide receiver 16 in points per game this year. I mean, get get behind the line, man. I'm at the front of the Corey Davis train. What is this discovering that Corey Davis is having a good year? Yeah, he's having a top 25 target share. He is 16th in point per game. He has a 1.14 yards per team pass attempt, or just yards per team attempt, sorry, which actually ranks second for any wide receiver who has an A dot in and around 10, which is actually a fairly common A dot for a wide receiver getting the large volume of his team's offense outside of extreme downfield receivers uh, like Julio Jones for example who typically has a large radar so yeah he's having a phenomenal season yes AJ Brown is a hot smoking dynasty asset we should all want and Corey Davis is a fourth year breakout it looks sustainable and I am in man I have got Corey Davis on four out of five dynasty teams before the season and I am reveling in it it's I'm enjoying it. It is Corey Davis season, just in case you didn't know. It's Corey Davis season. All right, I'm getting out of here. Uh, thanks for checking out. If you did, leave a comment, I guess. This is a podcast, so that's difficult to do. So maybe leave a review. You know you know the things to do. And hit me up on Twitter, at PA Howdy anytime. I'm going to go get some sleep. Um, have a nice day. Thanks again. Bye. Yeah. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold, so. Jake on the table and they on the play, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that, I, I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore. I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the place, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the place, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.